Hello everyone and welcome to Season 2 of Marking the Roll. My name's Phil Dye. I'd like to welcome all the teachers back. Some have been back at school for a week, some have just come back from a, a holiday and if you had a holiday and went somewhere I hope you had a good time. In Season 2 we'll be covering lots of different issues and most of those issues are relevant to teachers around the world because what hap- what's happening in Australia is really just a microcosm of what's happening everywhere. But before we get into to that, um, this episode celebrates 3,000 downloads and will be 4,000 downloads before the end of the week. So thank you to all the listeners and the listeners everywhere from the USA, from Great Britain, from India, from Ecuador and from all around the world. And now we have listeners from every state and territory in Australia. So thanks very much for listening. We've made it easier for you to communicate with us. Um, All you do is go to markingtherole.com.au and there's a little orange button and you can leave us a message. Of course, you can do it uh, via text as well through Facebook or um, there is a text messaging service there on uh, the website, markingtherole.com.au and remember, role is spelt R-O-L-E. Um, Now, today's topic is teacher training. We've had a lot of comments in Season 1 about how teachers aren't prepared to go into the classroom. We put out a survey for fairly new teachers, yet there were some teachers with quite a bit of experience also answered it. And some of the answers to our questions were quite surprising. For example... A question, do you think your university or college teacher training equipped you for classroom teaching? 71.1% said no. Uh, Another 6% said unsure. Uh, So really there's only 22% said that it equipped them. Do you think your university degree was too theoretical in content? Yes, 88.8%. Remarkable. That overwhelmingly new teachers think it was too theoretical Um, is teaching the job you thought it would be the answer was no for 56 percent of the respondents Um, did you have topic areas at university that were useless in the classroom well yes 90 percent of respondents said that they were useless in the classroom. Would you recommend a teaching career to your friends? 66.7% said no. Uh, and then a real teller was, since you started teaching, has your life, and they, there was options, improved, improved a little bit. Uh, 26% said it had got worse. Another 20% said it had got much worse. So we've got 46% of respondents said their life had got much worse since they started teaching. I think that's pretty sad indeed. But then there was the qualitative responses where uh, respondents could actually 
use a few sentences and describe their experiences and they said this is the problem. Lee Louise, the producer of the program, is going to help me take you through a, a few of those answers. Here's one. I think the only change would be ensuring that people who teach there are still in the classroom. Pretty clear that one, isn't it? Making sure that your lecturers and your teachers at uni are still experienced in the classroom. Lee, do you have one? Uh, definitely more practical elements, more time spent with practical teaching skills for core subjects, literacy and numeracy, greater focus on behaviour management, assessment data, collection and assessing resources. That's a, that's, there's a lot there, isn't there? Um, this other person, and by the way, all of these are anonymous. We don't have any names for it. Um, more time in schools, more observations, visits by teachers. Never had this happen. Oh, dear. So um, they never had a teacher come and talk to them at university. Job application structures, learning about other teaching roles than just in class, teaching about assessment and reporting. Uh, yes, assessment and reporting is a major part of a teacher's role, and evidently that's not covered. Lee? Uh, make it an internship all the way through the course like trades do with TAFE. And here's a terrific one. Ensure pracs start immediately. Too many people commit to the course in time and money before they experience the reality of the classroom, staff room and playground duty. Idealistic views of student behaviour and teaching load need to be tested before investing too much time and money. And Lee, do you have another one? Yes, um, it needs to be practical in the classroom traineeship. The students could also help out with admin and the university could count this as assessments. And here's the final one. Uh, there's, there's hundreds more, but we'll just leave it at this one. Focus on classroom management, education strategies and developmental psychology. Bugger all the unpacking the syllabus and teaching standards and literacies, etc. Make it real world. And gee, some of those are pretty straightforward. I hope whoever sets the curriculum for university courses is listening. And essential in all of this is to hear the voices of teachers who have fairly recently come out of the university teacher training system. And I caught up with Sally Doyle, a teacher from regional Victoria. Um, Sally, can you just take us through your, your teaching background? Uh, so, Phil, I've been teaching for approximately 12 years um, across Queensland, where I initially started grade, but also in Victoria, and I've had breaks in between. And breaks for, for, your, for your own sanity in teaching? Uh, yeah, I've, I've had to have breaks every probably four or five years due to to burn out. Sally, you know, from your from when you first started teaching, what have been the big changes that you've experienced? Phil, I've seen a huge increase in workload, which a lot of my friends across Australia talk about as well. Um, the expectations for teachers with their administration and differentiation for students, while it's important, it's not really sustainable for especially high numbers in the class. Um, and also just a really crowded curriculum. I feel like we've moved away from the basics, the reading, writing and maths, and we're trying to fit too many other things in, which is, yeah, a detriment to 
students and us. And when you did your teacher training, how would you regard that? Did it equip you for the classroom? Uh, I did a trial three-year fast-tracked course that was equivalent to four years. They've since dropped that because of the intensity. Um, the first year focused mainly on theory and the development of child, um, the child, which, while it's important, I wish that they had done more uh, focus on moving into doing practicals. We only did one practical at the end of their first year. Uh, going out to schools. And the second and third year focused on literacy and numeracy, which was great. But I do think that they didn't equip us a lot for the behaviour management side of things with classroom work and also well-being of students and teachers. Did they equip you for the administrative load that you were going to face, for example, the NCCD reporting? Uh, when I first started, the NCCD wasn't around. Um, and when it came in, I felt like it was very rushed when I was already teaching. There wasn't a lot of time devoted to upskilling teachers. And were many of your lecturers at university current teachers? No. I had a um, lecturer that in the first year with all the theory work that had never been a teacher in a classroom, um, had mainly, mainly studied childhood uh, development mm -hmm. um, and was probably a bit out of touch with what was really happening in schools. Um, my other lecturers were had been teachers before, but just a long time out of the classroom right. and by, by no fault of their own, but maybe also not um, understanding what was happening currently. Yeah, yeah. So if you were going to change something in, in teacher training, what would be the biggest thing or the main thing that you'd, you'd shift? Uh, well, I've actually gone back to university this year to specialise in a role outside of classroom teaching in a school, and it's interesting to see the changes in the universities. Um, all my lecturers are practising either teaching, classroom teaching and lecturing, or they are uh, working closely with schools with things like behaviour management or supporting with students with disabilities. Um, so they do have that knowledge on the ground as well. As so they've got those hands-on stories that they can bring into, yes, very into the lecture theatre. Yeah. Very important. Yep. As far as behaviour goes of students since you started teaching, have you seen yes. a change in that? Has it become more of a challenge for you? Yes, I've seen a gradual slide since probably the late 2000s. Um, I have my own theory on this, but I think that technology has played a huge part in that and also societal changes with family structures and things like that. Um, but a lot of kids don't come to school these days with many social skills um, or very focused on technology and it's very hard to you almost feel like you have to perform to get their engagement hmm. which is very draining do you think that the attitude of parents has shifted as well i do feel um yes it's it's almost like there's a lot of other things outside of teaching we have many different hats in the classroom beyond beyond teaching now um Mm. And it's almost like the the parents are either looking for answers from teachers to help their child, which is great, um, 
and being supportive, but a lot of those parents are, are minimal these days. It's either yeah. disrespectful of teachers um, or unrealistic expectations, you know, especially with communication. Now, you mentioned technology. Um, do students bring their mobile phones to school and use them at school at, at, where, you, where you are? Uh, yes, they do. They have to leave them in the front office uh, and collect them at the end of the day. Uh, and within the classroom, we have the iPads and computers and things like that as and laptops. Um, it has differed across schools that I've worked at. Some expect you to be integrating technology all the time. My philosophy for teaching is different to that. I prefer to use minimal technology and focus on, yeah, social interactions and hmm. working together in the classroom with with technology as a tool if needed. Yeah, that's that's what it is, a tool in the toolbox, isn't it? Um, and, and overall, you think the use of technology has affected the behaviour patterns of students? I think, I think so, Phil. Um, there's a lot of things happening, uh, not just at my school, but friends' schools interstate with uh, technology outside of school, which we can't control, but it does affect in the classroom, such as, as bullying um, on students' devices after hours between each other, which is a, a home thing. Um, yeah, it's just so hard to manage that at the moment. They've grown up with that a lot of these kids so it's the norm overall would you recommend that your friends go into teaching i would recommend it for them as a short-term career i think at the moment it's just too demanding for teachers to have a work balance life and be sustainable with what we've been asked we're being asked to do with with workload um I really enjoy teaching. A lot of my t friends, best friends are teachers and I've seen them also go through some forms of burnout or needing to completely change from teaching, which I have tried myself, but I've always missed working with children, so it's really hard. And that was Sally Doyle, a teacher from regional Victoria. And the one good thing to come out of that was that uh, when she'd gone back to university, things had changed and there was more uh, lecturers there with classroom experience that was fairly recent. And we've heard from Sally. Now we're going to hear from Christy Smith, a teacher from the Illawarra region of New South Wales. And I asked her to, first of all, outline her experience um, in the teacher training system. Yeah, so I have done three degrees, funnily enough. Um, my first degree uh, was the Bachelor of Teaching in primary. So I was the, I think it was the last year group where you could graduate after three years and then go into teaching. So I was fortunate enough to graduate in the July, or sorry, in the June of 2008 and I got a job straight away in, and started working in July 2008 at a um, Wollongong Diocese Primary School. Um, and then I did my fourth year, so my Bachelor of Education um, in 2009 um, via correspondence while I was working full-time. And then um, I worked at a number of schools um, up until I had my first child in 2011. And then I did my um, 
Masters of Education focusing on special education um, in 2013-2014. Okay, Christy, so so you've been through the, the mill of university courses with education. Would you say you learnt most about doing the job at university or actually when you first started teaching? I've definitely learnt probably all of it on the job. Um, even in my master's, which I did thinking I'm off having children, I'll do it while I've got the time. Um, and I did want to go into special education. Um, and in the second year of my master's, I was fortunate enough to pick up a couple of days at um, the Aspect School in the Illawarra. And it just really highlighted how little what I was actually doing in the university degree prepared me for that role. If, if, if it didn't prepare you for the role, what was in the course actually? It was very theoretical based, which um, I was very surprised with, especially one of the subjects I was really looking forward to. It was behaviour management. Um, the person running it actually worked at one of the juvenile detention um, centres up in the southwest Sydney region. So I thought this is going to be brilliant. There'll be lots of um, practical, I think, knowledge imparted on how you can deal with these kids. Um, and it was just, you know, the first assignment was look at this theorist. The second assignment that was further exploring that theorist and their points of view um, and that's that's sort of how the assignments were and I just thought where I'm not going to be standing in a classroom with a child who is going through something and thinking about a theorist's views on what's happening. I, I want practical, you know, sort of, um, I guess, knowledge on how I can de-escalate the situation and, you know, help that child get to where they need to be or what are the strategies I can use to, you know, move other kids out or support the other children. There were so many things that were missed in that opportunity that when I was actually on the job, I thought this is far more practical and real than what I'm yeah. learning and, and paying a lot of money for. You know, they're not, they're not a cheap degree to do. Um, and I thought that it's just really disappointing that it just seems that university is so far removed from what teachers are experiencing in a day-to-day -day classroom. Were there any of your lecturers uh, or tutors who were who were teachers at the, at the same time, so who would have come out of the classroom uh, on that day and then taught you at night, for example? Person running the behaviour management course, he was working in the juvenile detention centre at the time. So, um, and his shoots were very good in terms of he was able to sort of, I guess, link what we were sort of studying with, I guess, practical experiences from his personal experience in the situation but then that didn't translate into what then we were expected to do there was no scenarios given to us you know i i would have thought a good idea would have been you know here's a scenario of what could happen in a classroom again taken from if a person's in a classroom they could use their own and give it to us to explore there was none of that it was very much just focused on the theorists so no role plays christy as to you know how to de-escalate no it would have been great to have you know okay this child has um you know grabbed this other kid by the hair or has bitten this child or is about to throw a chair across the room what do you do there was none of that i learned all of that 
on the job in my various um, roles that I've taken on. So it was disappointing. You know, I started especially the Masters with such high hopes of learning a lot and I ended up very disappointed and sort of just like, oh, let's just get through it and tick the box. Um, And do you think that principals and other employers take notice of the fact that you've got a Masters when you're going for a job? I think experience. A lot of, you know, principals will look at where have you worked, what experiences have you um, been a part of as opposed to university because they themselves know how little it prepares you for what we're facing in the classroom. And that was Christy Smith, a teacher from the Illawarra region. And it's interesting that both uh, Sally and Christy mentioned that um, there was very little on the administrative side of teaching in these uh, teacher training courses. And also the assignments didn't match what happens in the actual classroom. Now it's time for a brain break and for those of you new to the podcast we have a brain break during every episode, um, a musical break and they are musicians, or bands or solos from the Illawarra region um, and it gives us time to just relax and refresh our brain so that we can come back and, and, and listen to the last half of the episode and today we've got a great band called Turpentine Road from the Illawarra. Their song is called Dirty Old Town. Now, it's not the Dirty Old Town, which is the traditional version, but it's a great version anyway. This is Turpentine Road.
say we all walk round in circles And that rings true for me each day I've walked for days, I've walked for miles Just to fall into the same old place And I find myself waiting here again On the edge of this dirty town On a bridge over black water On the edge of this broken old town On the edge of this broken old town Here I am In this dirty old town And that was uh, Turpentine Road with the song Dirty Old Town. It's a great sound, isn't it? And um, what I love about this band is they're not all the same style. There's a real mix of styles. You can find them on Spotify. You can find them on Facebook. Just look look up Turpentine Road. And um, again, another great band from the Illawarra. Now, um, just before we get on to the second part of the episode, I had an email about six weeks ago from someone who suggested there may be someone asleep in the studio when I was recording. Now, that is is partly true because there is an old dog, our old dog, called Sausage. Um, she's an old uh, beagle cross and she's always slept in this room. Now it's become a studio. I think she should still sleep in the room. She sleeps most of the day and occasionally she snores. So that listener was very perceptive. Uh, Let's hope that um, she doesn't snore too loud for the rest of this episode. So we've heard from recent teacher education graduates um, about how they feel uh, unprepared for the classroom. We know that experienced teachers see the new teachers come in and notice how unprepared they are. I thought it was important to speak to the university sector and I spoke to senior professor Sue Bennett, executive dean of the Faculty of Arts, Social Science and Humanities about this very thing. If she had heard about teachers being totally unprepared when they first arrived in a classroom. Okay, so I I have heard that, um, and really I I think some of it reflects the complexity of going into uh, a, a profession, uh, and if we think about in teaching, um, sort of no matter how much you prepare all of you know for all of the different components of teaching, uh, when you're on professional experience, you work you know, in someone else's classroom initially and increasingly towards independent teaching. Uh, I think it is very confronting to then, you know, arrive, um, you know, fully fledged uh, being responsible, you know, for a class in in a new school at the beginning of a career. Now, hold on there. It's fine to say that going into a new job is stressful and it's a tense time. Of course it is, but For the last hundred years, people have been doing it and they haven't been leaving their profession in droves as teachers are. As a matter of fact, new people in a profession haven't seen the degree of struggle and dissatisfaction that we see now. We are seeing a massive amount. So we can either say, well, there's something wrong with the training or there's something wrong with the job. 
Now, on this very same topic, I managed to talk to Associate Professor John DeNoble from Macquarie University. He's from the School of Education in the Faculty of Arts. Um, it, uh, different different uh, academics will have different takes on that. So I'm very upfront and say, you know, these are the kinds of these are the kinds of dilemmas you face as as a class teacher. Um, they are dilemmas not unlike a lot of other professions too. Like the amount of paperwork and admin in most professions, I think, has increased for a whole lot of reasons. Accountability has hit teaching really hard, where teachers have to account for everything that they do every minute in the class day. But having said that, um, the amount of uh, the amount of record keeping and uh, recording of data teachers have to do has increased very sharply over the last 20 years to the point where every teacher I know that's in front of the chalkboard says, I wish I could do less of this so I could do more of what's really important, i.e. teaching my students. Maybe we should simply change the name of the profession to teacher administrator. Sue Bennett went on. So I think that there is an element here of us understanding um, that uh, it's hugely difficult to start working uh, in a complex environment. And then thinking about, well, you know, working backwards, are there some things that we can do differently in the preparation? Um, And then equally thinking about, are there things that we can do differently in that transition? in to starting to work have have you taught sue have you have you been a teacher in in mainstream schools i've i've been an adult education teacher so my my area is in adult ed so which is which which is different yes now some of the feedback is that um some of the lecturers either haven't been in a mainstream school ever or the lecturers have not been in recently since things have changed, since the NCCD um, has to have a lot of admin work. Is this the case? And do you think there is a case for only employing lecturers who have been teachers in the last five years? So uh, one of the accreditation requirements is is actually that we have on our staff um, teaching and teacher education people with recent and current classroom experience. Um, so that would be uh, that would be the case with all of the providers who were accredited for initial teacher education. And we need to report on not just numbers, but on on who those people are and and what sorts of experience they have. I think if you think, maybe think about it this way is that the people who are teaching in those initial teacher education programs, we've got a number of different types of of people. So we've got some people who, um, you know, are on the academic side and they've got doctorates and or they may be studying towards their doctorate as well. But we've also got um, sessional um, uh, staff who come in and they work you know, on a session-by-session basis, and they are current teachers who are then coming in to work in our programs as well. And that's always been um, that's always been the case, certainly uh, at the University of Wollongong, where I am. That not so had... in other universities. Do you think, Sue? Is it, is it the same I, everywhere in Australia? I I, I don't really. Know. I've been here for twenty-three years at the University of Wollongong. 
Um, but from what I what I talk about with other other colleagues, um, you know that that's the, a similar expectation at other places that that it would be a combination. The research we did with with new teachers says that there was a lot of theory in teacher training courses that four years. Uh, they could have cut it back down to two years if a lot of the theory which they never used, besides Piaget's theory, which they'll you know they've been drummed into, um, is there a case for reducing the number of years and giving perhaps a full year teacher's apprenticeship, where the student teacher is is mentored by a single teacher and teaches into that class? Would that be an alternative? Well, I. I think if we think creatively, there are many alternatives, and I, I know that um, there are variations in the way this works across, you know, different providers of initial teacher education, which are universities, but also there are private providers. So, um, and and particularly there there is an interest in a stronger, and we could call it a work integrated learning. We could call it a, a, a apprenticeship model. We could call it a, a kind of transition, if you if you like. So, what does Associate Professor John De Noble from Macquarie University think about this idea of a teaching apprenticeship taking place in the third year of a three year course, not a four year course? Um, and I also I, I asked him this in the light of the teacher shortage, because this would mean that new graduates would go out in their third year to teach, not have to do four years of university and then go out? It certainly would address the teacher shortage. We're addressing what I believe to be a short-term problem. Eventually, that teacher shortage will, will resolve itself, right, over, over a couple of years. And then what do we do, right? Um, maybe, possibly, three years plus a fourth where they're out there doing something um, may somehow work but i can't see how uh, what is suggested here uh would actually work and have the teachers properly um um not mentally prepared i think i'm trying to get at is academically prepared in their mind they have a lot they have enough theory to be able to see what goes on and make sense of what goes on in the classroom properly You're listening to Marking the Roll, a podcast for teachers and anyone interested in education. We discuss the real issues facing educators without fear or favour. Please follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends. For more info, go to markingtheroll.com.au. But what about the amount of theory and ideology taught in a teacher training course? Sue Bennett from... The Wollongong University again. Um, some some of that is uh, content knowledge, so it's actually the content of what needs to be taught. Some of it's pedagogy, the how to teach, and then some of it's that combination. The the feedback is that the theory side though far outweighs the practical uh, learning that a student does. Well, I think look then if we we think about what who decides, because I think then this is perhaps the question to ask. Ah, now we're getting to an important point. For all you new teachers out there and anyone who's been a new teacher over the past 10 years, who actually decides the content that you're going to learn in your teacher training? This is a pivotal question, and it's not the universities. Sue Bennett again. Um, This is where the accreditation requirements come in, and the 
combination of what we might call theory and practice or the different types of subjects, um, that's set by the accreditation standards. So in New South Wales, would that be the um, NESA, uh, New South Wales Education Standards Authority? It is, and it's a combination with AITSL. Ah, so there we have it. All of the complaints about the theory and the content of teacher training courses doesn't come down to the university at all. But gee, the standards authorities from uh, different states and from the national body, um, and indeed NESA, who comes in for a lot of flack, um, they're copping a lot of the blame. Can this really be the case? Just to be sure, I asked John DeNoble from Macquarie University. Well, of course, um, NESA will reflect what AITSL will be wanting. And, of course, AITSL um, have set the standards, which, of course, uh, New South Wales, NESA, uh, you know, have adopted and maybe even slightly adapted. Uh, the, the standards are there. So they, they also guide us as well. So there we have it. It comes down to the state organisation in New South Wales, it's NESA. In Victoria, it seems the Victorian government have direct control. In Queensland, it's the professional standards for teachers in Queensland. Um, And then that, together, is with the Australian Professional Standards for Teachers, a national organisation. So while the universities may be hounded by students that there's too much theory here... It is not the universities that are to blame. Sue Bennett again. So we go through a, you know, every every course goes through a very lengthy process of um, balancing that out. Now, a conversation, then a bigger conversation about what should um, initial teacher education look like, whether it be undergraduate or postgraduate. Um, you know, that's a conversation to to bring. to to have sector-wide, and it should involve um, universities and providers, of course, but it needs to involve, you know, both levels of government. It needs to involve the profession. And, gee, I suppose it should involve the public and the uh, employers. Uh, It could also involve the parents um, as to what young people need to know these days. Um, so I asked uh, Sue Bennett how often these meetings take place. Well, we just had a review of initial teacher education, the out the outgoing former government. So it was called the Tudge Review, um, and it came out and it came out with I think very um, initially broad terms of reference, and uh, there were a lot of submissions um, from from all kinds of people. So. Um, and, you know, from the profession, from um, unions, from employers, um, from providers of initial teacher education. And those were some of the big picture questions that were being asked. So there is clearly, um, you know, quite a lot of interest in continuing to have this discussion. I then asked John DeNoble from Macquarie Uni um, how often he had these sorts of meetings and, and were teachers involved? Yeah, so our, um, for example, at, at Macquarie, our director of ITE and some our head, head as well, will meet uh, representatives and they'll talk about what we're doing, what they're doing. NESA will want to 
update us on you know the coming trends and things like that so the regular meetings once or twice a year at least sometimes more especially if we're getting accredited the year we're getting accredited we'll often meet with nisa quite a few times nisa will often um, refer to their particular prescriptions in that particular round of accreditations, what's needed to be seen in a teacher program, and we try and follow that as closely as possible. Oh dear, educratic organisations around the country, often staffed by people who haven't taught for 20 years or haven't taught at all, are making decisions about what universities teach to their teacher trainees. There is something not quite right here. I then asked John if teachers were ever asked about what should be in teacher training courses. At the last accreditation, I don't believe we did that. I I was a strong advocate at at the time for not so much teachers but getting student teachers like our students into the into the uh, into the equation but the thing is the accreditation processes don't always ask for that i'll say one more thing about that and and uh, you know it's stating the obvious but above nesa or layers above nesa where you've got uh, people who are ministers for education so forth especially at the federal level um, haven't necessarily been teachers either and again, and a lot of scholars have talked about that in particular as a very dangerous situation for education. People who are actually driving the car blind and telling us what we should be doing when actually the profession is, uh, is capable of doing a great job. And there we go, driving the car blind. That's a great state for education to be in, isn't it? And during that section, you heard from Senior Professor Sue Bennett, the Executive Dean of the Faculty of Arts, Social Science and Humanities at the University of Wollongong. That's a mouthful. You also heard from Associate Professor uh, John DeNoble from Macquarie University, Faculty of Education. I'm unsure whether we've come to any answers about teacher training, but we certainly know where the problems are, uh, perhaps who's to blame, um, and maybe there's some solutions that might come out of that. Um, Thank you for listening today, and uh, we'd love to hear your voice for the podcast. And the way you do that is to go to markingtherole.com.au. There is a little button there that says, you know, add your voice, and you can record your voice. You can also send us a message. And by the way, if you do record your voice, um, we can change it. But just make it clear that you want to be anonymous and you want your voice changed. And we'd also love it if you could support us by making a small donation. Um, There is a button uh, on the website called Buy Me A Coffee. Now, if you want to buy us a coffee, you can buy us a coffee for $5, and $5 will help go towards the Podbean uh, platform that we use. Um, You can also become a member of the podcast, and becoming a member gives you certain lurks and perks, um, and you can become a member for $20 for the year. Um, So we'd love to get your support that way as well. No one is paid here at Marking the Roll. We're all volunteers just to help uh, keep web web fees and platform fees going. Uh, Your support's necessary. Um, Next episode is on technology, the use of technology in the classroom, but also the use of mobile phones by students and the impact that that has on their learning. Love to get your 
comments and ideas on this by just going to markingtherole.com.au and and recording your voice or giving us your comments uh, because technology is a big issue and the use of mobile phones by students, I think, is an even bigger one. My name's Phil Dye. You've been listening to Marking the Role. See you next week.